Hey there, ladies and gents, they, thems, her, hims. Welcome to the People on Toast podcast, the podcast where we talk about people and how we interact with them on a daily basis. I'm your host, Sophia Tran, and I hope to dive into self-knowledge daily with you. So I hope you join us. Stay tuned. Okay, welcome back, him, hers, they, thems, to the People on Toast podcast. This will be the second episode of the podcast. This week's episode, we're going to talk about politics, climate change. We're going to get really deep into some opposing views and personal opinions. If you are one that feels very strongly about your side, you may not be able to adhere to some of this conversation and you don't have to agree but I do hope you stick around otherwise you may have to bid adieu to this week's episode and I'll just see you on the third week's episode but until then let's jump right into it all right guys today I have a very special guest with me this is Miss Emma Hall she is attending the University of North Alabama with me she's a very spunky individual she's also the creator of the so what podcast a podcast where you can get news almost on the fly and I I think it's personally great for learning if you don't you know absolutely want to watch the news she's just really great to listen to wonderful voice I'm gonna let her speak for herself (laughs) hi Emma hi it's nice to be here today thank you so much for the kind words Oh, not a problem at all. You are very, very much a gem. So Emma, um, tell me about your So What podcast. What is your main goal in starting your podcast? Right. So the So What podcast, I designed to be more of an educational piece that allowed me to come on and express a little bit about how I feel about the news and to give a lot of like good evidence to support why I feel the way I do. And just to talk about it, I want to get an interactive discussion going as much as I can. And I want to just make sure that people are informed about how and why situations in the news matter. Yeah, because they do matter, you know, like, of course they do. Yeah, because you can't just sit here and pretend like your whole life revolves around just you. I mean, of course, your world does revolve around you in certain cases. Good to know what's going around going on around you because if you don't know what's going on around you then you don't know how you're directly or indirectly affected by the things happening you know you yeah if the sky turned green you know what I mean you'd be like Mm -hmm. why is the sky green and we would learn like the algae has been depleted or overgrown in the waters or something right yeah absolutely the news is definitely affecting way more people than we realize I mean, it's just everything. You got to look at everything when it comes to the news, you know, legislation that's passed, new faces in the media, new faces in the political spectrum. You got to make sure who's coming in and who's coming out and what they're going to do for you. So a lot of the political um, and news media is a lot of portrayed around getting as much attention as possible. So when people are giving their attention away for free on social media, it's nice to be able to go back and understand who and why you're following who you're following or why you're supporting, why you're supporting rather than picking sides like a basketball team or a football team. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched the social dilemma, but I'm on that 24 seven. I mean, she knows I mentioned this movie on Netflix at least three, four times now. Like I know it's probably exhausting, but I I really do love it. Um, And in it, it talks about 
just that though, like caring about what happens around the world because social media can indirectly affect you in ways you don't know, like spreading a fake news because it sells or it's entertaining and people like that. Mm -hmm. So Emma, what I wanted to ask you is, so if, do you feel like these um, media news outlets that are trying to cover news that's entertaining, how do you feel about uh, covering news stories that only sell, not exactly factual or truthful or meaningful or beneficial to our human experience in any kind? You know, there's a lot of depth in that question. When it comes to the news, the mainstream news media is going to do what the newsstream media is going to do. They understand that they can do a lot and they, they have seen throughout the years that they can push the boundaries and still maintain an audience space. So for covering news that only sells, it makes sense for them to do it for them just to maintain that audience, but it absolutely can be detrimental to the society and the mind think of millions of people around the United States and the world, honestly, when it comes to mainstream media, there's a different, there's a few different kinds of like steps, I would say, to go through and fact check your media and make sure that you're actually getting accurate information. You know, do your own research. I know that's a big, big thing for everybody to spout out, but I've, I'm sure a lot of people don't really understand exactly where that means. I like to look at Whenever I'm watching mainstream media, I like to research the topic for myself, see what first pops up on Google, and then go in and do a more thorough and in-depth search. There's a lot of information on mainstream media that can be completely misleading and only there to spice up the emotions for the cameras. So it, it makes sense that they would do it, but it can be absolutely detrimental because as we've seen in recent, in recent years past, especially with the January 6th insurrection, mm. there can be major causes to false or misleading content that is only spread for entertainment purposes. Yeah. I think it uh, messes with like your mental capacity to either understand, empathize, or even to um, keep up to date with whatever is going on. I feel like it has a big, significant effect on how we process, um, what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> but I think what I'm getting at is I think it makes people think in a way that is so one-minded, like so mm -hmm. narrow-minded, you know? And I know you and I probably have a very similar view, you know, on presidential candidates, so on and so forth. Um, I really loved your podcast, which is why I would, I'm loving speaking to you right now. Um, I appreciate it. Of course you have, you're a very well-spoken woman. Um, but flattery aside, um, <laughs> I feel like, well, let me ask you what, where do you get your news media? Like for you personally? Uh, for me personally, I get a lot of news media. My life is constantly around news. I feel before I'd say about 2015, I didn't really care about the news. Didn't even really know what it was. Like didn't really think anything of it, but there, it's been a huge journey to accept and process the idea of news being in a constant state in my life. So I'm always watching news on social media, on the internet. I'm constantly researching and doing new things. So I, I research a lot. Um, personally, 
on my Facebook and Instagram and Facebook, everything, I mainly follow like Politico. I I follow CNN. I follow Fox. I follow CNBC. I follow ABC. Um, A lot of the big ones. I also follow like BBC Network. I also follow the CDC, World Health Organization. There's just a lot. Um, When it comes to doing mainly research, I like to stick towards my major facts like the Washington Post and more of the EDU network organization type field that's more credible in its research with proven scientists and facts. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting to um, see how different it is to see how different people do different kinds of research. I feel many people don't really understand the meaning of doing research. I think a lot of people, especially in the days of social media and internet, when there's just constantly content being produced and injected into our daily lives, I think it's definitely hard to decipher what is real and what is made up and just for entertainment. Right. And, you know, a very interesting um, point that someone had brought up to me was, you know, sometimes people read headlines and that's their news, you know, and sometimes um, you get news stories that people cover that don't actually cover anything. I mean, like they just literally talk about what we already know, like what has already been announced, you know, Um and now I do agree there are certain news outlets. I personally like BCC. Um, I think they're based in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. They're, I love anything UK related. I think they're great, sophisticated um, people. I think it's the accents, but you know, um, point is, I, I just feel like being a credible source is very important. I really do admire your drive to use .edu, do, edu links and um really do your research. I actually personally feel like our generation and the generations onward should do more research because these articles don't cover everything or they leave out part of the truth now. And, you know, that is, um, if you think about it, it's a new age way of lying, you know, omitting the truth or excluding the truth. Anyways. Yeah. Very credible sources. So what is, uh, where does your passion for news and politics and everything come from? Like, did you grow up with it? Well, I grew up in kind of, um, I like to call it like a blank slate household. My dad didn't really, um, push me to be any sort of pathway. He kind of just let me go on and do whatever I felt like doing. But he did make sure that I was absolutely informed. I was, you know, doing research and everything from when I was very young. But I didn't find a passion and a drive for news until about, I'd say, like, right when I started college. I was um, I was originally a political science major, so I was going to go and study law. So that's what I was planning on doing with my life when I started college. And then I realized maybe I don't want to do that. My dad may protest and say that I should have done it, which he still says to this day, but I still pick with my heart in journalism. I think journalism is an excellent field for people that want to find more in their news source and to 
want to go out and talk about things that are happening in a community and everything like that. So I think my passion kind of ramped up right when I started college. So right when I was doing like actual research for, um, for classes and assignment, it drifted off into me doing it more in my personal time. I think that's very admirable because like you, you communication classes, especially, I think for me, I'm just going to speak for myself, have really opened my eyes to ways of communicating or ways of getting around to being informed, ways of um, understanding how us interacting as people through communication can change or hinder someone's life. And I I love it because it's, um, it just opens new doors, you know, for being open-minded and wanting to add more empathy and sympathy into the world. I feel like sometimes we can feel like life sucks, you know, and that's, I mean, life doesn't always suck. There's moments where we're up, you know, so. Yeah, I 100% agree. With the communications program at UNA, I do feel like I have absolutely grown as a person. The assignments that I have been given have grown my personality, my mind, my spirit a little bit more than I would have done without it. So I think a lot of what I have and the drive that I have for news and politics stems from that. So, yeah, well, see. I feel like it was, um, it came to me a little late. I'm not going to lie into my college career that communications was my true, my true first love in a sense, you know, how our uh, professor says music was her, well, not music, but audio was her first Mm -hmm. love. I feel like for me, I've always loved to talk. You have classes with me, you know, I talk a lot and uh, I can't. The light of the room. uh, I don't think so. I think. I think it's because of the dynamic in the classroom, like, you know, how you'll feed off and then another classmate will feed off. I just think like the energy of the room really inspires me to bring more of myself out. And I think that's why it's so easy for me to conversate or talk as much, but I love to talk. That's the point. So funny story. My dad actually inspired me to um, be a nutritionist because I liked uh, cooking and all this. And I still love nutrition. I love food a lot. You know, who doesn't? But communications came late to me as an idea of something to major in because I was thinking, well, what can I do with this degree? You know? And then I later learned there's so much you can do, you know? So mm-hmm. after you graduate, Emma, do you plan on um, working for a news station? What's the dream? Anchor, teleprompter? Oh, goodness. The everlasting question of what will you do when you grow up? Um, it's extremely daunting to me. I'm extremely nervous and anxiety ridden over what I'm going to do next. I'm terrified. I mean, I was even terrified to post our podcast, you know, mm-hmm. um, but but it turned out amazing. Love doing it, but um, the dream probably. I applied for an internship in Birmingham. I'm hopefully want to either get an internship with the news broadcast center or a radio production center. I'm really stemming towards the audio production more side of it. I do like the audio visual production, but I'm pretty much like more set on audio. I would like to keep my podcast going as long as I can and keep it 
you know, good and improve it along the way. But I think right now radio production and like music is kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I, one thing I really like about you or admire about you is like, you're a very opinionated person. You have opinions, you have views, you have a way of expressing yourself. Well, I am excited to hear what you have for your next podcast, but because um, I think your first episode, you talked about social, not social. What is it? The climate change. Yes. Yes. See, there we go. I love that we came together with that brain brain blast, (laughs) Jimmy Neutron reference. Yeah. But so climate change. So with the climate change, why did you pick climate change as your very first topic? Now, I think it's a very important topic. Right. Definitely a very important topic. Definitely a topic that I am absolutely passionate about. Um, I mean, without our world, what do we have? We have nothing, right? So um, climate change is just, I think, one of the most popular slash controversial topics of news politics. I think it's very important to describe in a way that makes sense to a lot of people because I mean just to put it blatantly there's a lot of people in the world that think that climate change is not real and we are all just making it up and we're just whiny little babies that just need to get on with our lives there's absolutely no reason why we should not want our world to be as healthy as it can and I think that a lot of people are just uninformed and they don't understand what happens when climate change occurs, how it affects us, how it can damage our earth, how it's actually happening right now and we don't see it and how we could change it and how the United States and the nations in general all have this control and this power that they could be using to be helpful to the environment, but instead they're using it to develop social gains. And I think that that's just a really important lesson that needs to be learned from that. Yeah. So my thing is, I don't understand why environmental like preservation or sustainability is even controversial because if you really think about it, you live on this big giant planet we call earth and on earth, there's so much wildlife and resources for us to use. But if we as humans don't sustain those resources, we are going to die out. We are going to be the reason we go extinct. That's a lot of heavy, like, you know, realization right there, like that we could potentially kill ourselves because we are, we as humans are the reason X, Y, Z, we're harming the environment. It's crazy now personally oh sorry go ahead oh sorry i didn't mean to like interrupt you it's okay. and i was just saying it's absolutely 100 our fault there is no way to combat that it's our fault and it's up to us to change it and i think that people just need to people need to care yeah. it, or we will die there is just there's just no other way to put it you either care about this and you want to do something about it or you don't do anything about it and we all die i put it blatantly in my podcast i was you really did either either you do this or you or your children or your children's children could die Mm -hmm. and that was a very powerful statement and i remember hearing your podcast and you saying that i was like oh my god she is not wrong like 
in all actuality, maybe that is an oversimplification of what you just, um, or what we've said as a whole. Right. But that's the facts. Like you can't look at it any other way, you know, because at the end of the day, that is what not preserving our earth means. And it's crazy. It absolutely does that for me, my most passionate, um, cause I would like to say in the social climate change is, um, water pollution. I think water pollution, well, air pollution too, but more importantly water for me, because our body is made of what 70, 80% of water. We're going to have to fact check that, but our body is mainly made up of water and without water, we will die out from dehydration, you know, and people who get dehydrated, I believe, you know, experience hallucinations, spasms, so many things. And so many countries are without water now, you know, and to think that like the very scarcity of how much water these countries have, and if they face water pollution on top of that, they have no source for clean water. And water is so important because that is literally the one thing that every human needs to survive. Now we need food, but we don't need what we don't need food as much as we need water, you know, and air, especially because we breathe it in every day. Speaking of air, I mean, COVID is going on, you know, so to pollute the air while COVID is going on too, would be detrimental to everyone's health. Absolutely. Um, Water pollution is an, an enormous, enormous, task that a lot of people have not acknowledged in recent years. I know you mentioned other countries not having water, but right in our back own backyard in the United States, a lot of places do not have clean functioning water. Yeah. You go to our tap right now in North Alabama, my, my tap, my water straight out of my tap is cloudy. Wow. It is cloudy and murky and it has particles in it that should not be in there. Flint, Michigan, for an excellent example, would be that they do they still do not have clean water. The, the biggest problem with news is that news stories go out of style. Mm. Is that news stories, they hit hard, they're hot button topics for a minute, and then once people stop caring about it, it falls to, through the cracks and it falls to the bottom of the pile that people do not care about it anymore. So when it comes to things like clean water for Flint, Michigan and places here or in Texas or in California, people wanted it and people cared about it. People protested for it. And they said that the government said that there was gonna be regulation and there was gonna be, you know, different water supplies and everything and more steps to take to clean our water, but we haven't seen any implemented correctly in a long time so there's a few places there's a few places here that don't even have clean water and we're still going out and still having to look at and look at these developing and third world countries and see that they don't even have access to clean water but we don't even have that either talking about climate change just shows the fact that the government and um, country leaders need to start looking and paying attention to what is actually going on in our people's lives. People could die because of the water that they're drinking. 
especially here in the United States of America, people can die because of the water that they drink out of their faucet. And that is just so astounding, you know, to think that like, wow, in America, we experienced that. I personally learned something new today. I didn't know that that was a thing going on within our own country. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this, or at least I'm not, I hope I'm not alone in this. You're not. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because like, how else would you also explain the change in weather? You know, for example, like we, we got snow in for a week here in uh, Florence, Alabama, and then South Texas, not to go super far, but they experienced snow for a while there. And I heard snow is very rare in Southern Texas, but that's crazy to think about like places that don't usually get snow are getting snow, like no one's business. That's crazy. Right. Um, it's definitely that specific topic. The, um, snow in Texas has become a very major hot button topic in the climate change community. Mm-hmm. If there is such a thing that I can identify, but, um, yeah, snow in Southern Texas, that has been a really big thing as to if it was caused by climate change or not. I'm not personally qualified enough to say that it was, or it was not because I personally don't know. I do have an educated opinion on it probably was somehow related to climate change somewhere in some form, in some fashion. I believe that major phenomenons and weather are primarily caused by climate change. And I, I actually think you're right on that because my personal opinion is the world is changing and it's dying out because we're not taking care of it, you know, cause we're not purposely putting poison in our water. Now, are we mm-hmm. now conspiracy theorists like, you know, might disagree with me, but, and now with the government, I do feel like they have a lot on their plate and I, I agree that they continue having to work, but if you are to continue to govern a people, you are held at a higher, you know, responsibility. And, It is a big deal, you know, and I think someone mentioned this before, or I've seen this in a comedy skit that, you know, government, we've always viewed as like this complex where, wow, guys, um, it's, it's so much rules and regulations and law is so concrete and we can't touch it. We can't, we can't, it's just so advanced in that world. And we have to be so educated on it that you know, we can't even interfere unless you are educated. And then enters a president that um, he does not maybe, I feel doesn't maybe take things as serious as um, a lot of other presidents. He may, but he, I know he doesn't really um, per se think that environmental sustainability may be as, as important as a uh, personal opinion. I also feel like it's really good to bring, and it's very important to have some kind of opposing opinion just to open and understand where the world of politics is going to. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It definitely makes a lot of sense to have differing opinions in politics. Pol- politics has become such a polarizing and you know sometimes absolutely detrimental to relationship topic Mm -hmm. you know especially around former president donald trump when it comes to president donald trump he was 
a president that shattered a lot of boundaries and shattered a lot of um, misconceptions about politics. I think it showed a really good representation of how you do not actually have to be as educated as you think to be a part of politics. You don't have to have all of these qualifications to run for office. You know, everyday people think, oh, well, that's the government. I don't know anything about that. You don't have to. You don't have to know a single thing about the government to understand and participate in politics and news discussions and implementations of law and situations like that. It's just, you have to be informed. There are, there's science behind our claims and there's real and factual things that are going on that are not just affecting um, one party or one group or one minority class. It's affecting everybody. And, you know, I wanna bring up this mind boggling thing of what I saw over the course of the Texas um, snowstorm was that there were people that were actually balling up the snow and trying to light it on fire with a lighter and saying that it actually wasn't real snow because it didn't melt and it was dropped by the Democratic Party and Jeff Bezos as fake snow so that we would all think that it's actually real snow. And it's just absolutely irritating to say the least it's Uh, ridiculous Um, it's absolutely ridiculous to see people genuinely believing that the government has enough time to send millions and millions of tons of snow and ice and sleet and just dump it fabricate it first and then dump it all over uh texas it it doesn't make any sense but and to me what i find ridiculous is just that information like what factual evidence or basis is behind the theory that this snow is fake and like you said i don't think the government has time to just be dumping this and i don't think jeff bezos is necessarily just handing out money to the government like this you know i personally don't think he is and i don't personally think the government's doing that now that's not to say i'm with you i'm with you i do feel like with the um the two parties there's a lot of conflict there's a lot of opposing and opposition um but it's not to say the democratic democratic party is perfect but i do agree yeah of course and i do agree that like now the republicans do have very very strong and very good opinions and i feel like we should actually take from both sides because i've heard arguments from republicans and i agree with them completely and then i've heard things from democratic Democrats. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's also really amazing and very good. I feel like an implementation implementing of both is very important. Actually, I took a U.S. history class um, in high school where George Washington actually warned against two parties. He believed that an American system should have only been one and we should have lived under a democracy. Now, I do feel like certain values we should hold like traditionally in our life, which is the way of the Republican party. And then the Democratic party is just a way of adapting to the change in the social norms of the world. So I feel like 
the younger generation are more going to be resonant with the Democratic Party because we are used to adaptability change. We are even taking a class on being social media diverse managers, you know, and we're learning how to adapt and work in through this environment and to be on our feet constantly. So changes come such a nature to us. And so I feel like the older generation is usually what sticks with the Republican way because they've known this all their life. And this is their way of dealing with things. And, you know, they say, if it's not broken, why fix it? So I do agree why they have their views. They do. My personal opinion is I don't want to sway one way or the other. I personally have my own you know, favorite, but I do feel like there is, should be an integration. Now I'm just trying to remain a bit unbiased. I do have a personal opinion, but uh, my personal opinion is I was not a fan of our last president um, only because I feel like as a president, you should be represented in a way that's very um, professional. And I don't think that the way he is portrayed was in, in any way professional, not to say he didn't do great things, but yes, all right. A lot of people share your opinion on that. I agree with what you say that I feel a, a president should be in a more professional uh, mindset rather than a um, one that maybe he portrayed in the past. Conservative party members, I do think that there's a lot of history that people don't understand. There was actually a flip. There was a big flip back in the 60s the early 50s and 60s where the two parties actually flipped and there was more of the democratic tradition and stuff was more of the republican um demographic and everything and everything like that the the republican party back at the back at that point i think it was i can't remember the exact date but in the 50s and 60s there was a major flip of the two parties where they were both just absolutely opposite of each other. It just shows that our entire government system and the two party system is completely fluid when it comes to the times. It just comes to when and how these implementations of law want to react with society. I feel like society definitely plays a huge role in government when it comes to developing a government and sticking to a core of values that make sense for a country when it comes to, um, sorry, the, uh, the conservatives of our Republican party today. I think a lot of their ideals are good to keep in tradition if they so choose. When it comes to establishing law for everybody, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Yes, it's very controversial. Yes. And now with that being said, I just feel like um, there's just a lot of give and take on both sides. There should be a coming together and wanting to understand maybe a bit more of um, a need to expose yourself to a different side and see what you do and disagree with. I think there comes a compassion side to things like that as well. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, I hate to leave you here, Emma, but I think that's going to be the end of this uh, interview. Thank you so much for coming in. You are such a wonderful, bright soul. And um, yeah, I hope to hear more of your So What podcast and what other topics you have for everyone to listen to. But girl, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day. I know it's a bit early, but uh, 
yeah, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate your time and your opinions. So thank you so much for inviting me. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye girl. Bye. Well, guys, that concludes this week's episode of the People on Toast podcast. I hope you learned something about yourself today in these interesting conversations. But join me next time on SoundCloud.com slash Lee or wherever you find your podcast, guys. Till next time, see you there.